Well, if you'd join me in the book of Ephesians this morning, book of Ephesians chapter number 6, I am thoroughly enjoying the, the track that Brother John's doing. I love, to, I love to see how God works and God, how God has worked, you know, in the past because what God's done in the past, He can do today. Yes, amen. amen. I, um, years ago, um, I was in a revival meeting. There was an annual revival meeting in Parchment Prison. You heard of Parchment Prison? The Rock of Ages would do an annual revival down in Parchment Prison and it's in Clarksdale, Mississippi. And we would, um, we, a group of men from our church would, would attend that. We'd go and Parchment Prison is a large, it's a sprawling, large sprawling prison. It's, it's I forget, I want to say it's thousands of acres. It's a very large prison complex. And different teams would break up, go to different areas. And we, uh, the, all week long, our team was trying to um, corral the men into this final meeting. And on the last night, <coughs> and, and this is really interesting, but on the last night, um, we were, we're getting ready for that, and, and a large storm came in, and they delayed because the men get kind of antsy when there's a storm. I guess if you were in a prison and a tornado's coming through, you get, <laughs> you get antsy too. But on the last night, um, so the storm's coming through, and, and they kind of put everything on hold, and it looks like it's going to be canceled. So there's a, there's a chapel on the prison grounds about this size, and there's about 100 preachers there. And we broke up into probably about, oh goodness, about maybe 50 teams and spread throughout. There were several chapels, several buildings. Our particular group was meeting in a kitchen, a cafeteria, for our last meeting. And we were trying to get all the men that we had ministered to all week into this meeting. And we, um, so the storm's coming and, and the prison officials, they, they're looking like they're going to cancel it. We're just broken hearted because we've been inviting men out, we've been witnessing they would let us into the complex and let us go bunk to bunk. They would let us, I mean, they, it would really was kind of a, at times it was a little bit scary because they just let us in and, it, you know, we could walk in the fields, we could walk into the dormitories and, and the men that were more experienced would tell us, now don't get separated, you know. I remember at one time I'm in there and I'm witnessing to these men by this bunk and I looked up and I don't see any of my team. You know, there was about four or five of us, and all my team members had moved out of the bunkhouse, and they were out in the field, and, I, and all of a sudden I realized I'm surrounded by these inmates and uh, in, in this corner of this, this, uh, this bunkhouse here. And I started getting a little bit antsy there. But we'd been witnessing, winning souls, going cell to cell. We went, I, I'm trying to remember the, I think who I was telling the story, uh, death row. We, we'd go cell to cell in solitary um, I, I led this one man to the Lord. It, it, was, uh, it was really interesting, but the, there was light bulbs in this hallway, and there was a block wall behind us, and cells facing this way, and he had a cell light off, and, and the light just kind of cast a shadow halfway into his cell. And we'd go up to each cell with a tray of materials and ask them if they'd like some reading material and try to talk to them. And the man said, sure, and he got up off his bunk, and I couldn't see him, but as he came closer, he was wearing like the prison pajama bottoms, but he didn't have a shirt on. And as he came up, I could see there was a, 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 an image tattooed up his, up his chest. And as he got closer, I could see it come up, and then it, I could notice it was a demon. 
And he had a full demon standing up like this in the demon's head, but the demon's arms came up and they were tattooed up and they were pictured holding his head like that. So the demon, and they had this, I mean, it was just the creepiest thing you ever saw. And the man's, it looked like the demon was holding the man's head above the demon's head. And it was just, oh, it was terrifying. Now, they told you, don't, you know, be careful what you do when you uh, go to those cells because, you know, someone death row, they'll grab your tie, you know, use clip-on ties because they'll grab your tie and choke you out, uh, throw things on you, do all these things. So I was a little intimidated when this, I mean, this was the creepiest looking tattoo I ever saw in my life. And I started to witness to this man, and he, it was, it was just glorious. I started to talk to him. I mean, to look at him, you're terrified. But to start to talk to him, it was just the sweetest thing. It was so sweet. And, and, and very tenderly, the man just melted before the gospel of Christ. And so much so, I felt so comfortable. I, I did a no-no. They told me, don't do this. I stuck my arms through the cell, and, and I grabbed him by the hand, and I led him in the sinner's prayer. And that man was weeping as he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Amen. Well, the, the final night, we had been ramping up all week trying to invite folks out <coughs> for this final meeting. And, and this was the big meeting, you know, because in other prisons, you have to fill out a form a week in advance or days in advance to attend a meeting like that. Well, they kind of gave us free reign. And, and so anybody we could invite, they could come. And so we're telling them, get them, get, them to, get them to come out, get them to come out. Well, this tornado moves through the area in Clarksdale, Mississippi. And so the prison says, ah, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Well, there's a hundred of us preachers been, you know, pointing our groups into various places for the last final night of revival. And so we all hunker down, we start praying. And we had, um, there was a TV or a computer or something so we could see it. It was the neatest thing. This tornado system, which was a big one, uh, if you're down in that part of the you know, country, they can get pretty big. It was coming through towards the prison, and when it got up near the prison ground, it split in half. It went out like this around the prison, and when it came back, and then it came back together and continued on. Uh, you tell me God didn't do that. And, and, but it still looked like time-wise that it wasn't going to happen because all that took some time for it to split and move and leave the prison unscathed. And then all of a sudden we got the green light. They said, you can go. And it was already way past the time of our meeting. We're worried that none of these men are going to come out. And they, got, they get a little scared, a little agitated because of tornadoes and their confined spaces and so on. You can understand that. So we, we get into the cafeteria, and I'm scheduled to preach that night. It's a closing meeting. They're going to, they asked me to preach. And I'm scheduled. We come in, and... There was, with the Rock of Ages prison ministry, you know, the Rock of Ages, there was a man that was a Rock of Ages uh, missionary, and he was kind of heading up the team. We were volunteer pastors and preachers come from all over the country. And we get in there, and, and there's nobody there. And we're thinking, oh my, you know, oh my soul, you know, is any, anything going to happen? Then they start kind of trickling in, and before you know it, they start coming in and coming in and coming in. The place is packed. And we start singing, and I've never been in a song service like this in my life. We start singing, and we, we start to sing, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. And I'm telling you, God just moved in that place. Men, before you know it, men are just crying out. They're bawling. And tears are coursing down their cheeks, and they're, just, they're, they're singing. You've never heard that song sung like that. And what's interesting is Fanny Crosby that wrote the song wrote that after she was in a prison meeting listening to the men cry out, and she went home and penned the words to pass me an idle gentle Savior. And here we are in this meeting, and these men are bawling, crying out, and you can just feel God moved in. And, and, and Brother Seth, he says to me, he says, 
I know I asked you to preach, but I got to preach. <laughs> and, uh, and I could just, you know, I, I could tell he had the burden, he had the message, and it was just perfect. He got up and preached, and I'm telling you, God just broke into that thing, and men were getting saved all over, men crying out, and it was glorious. I mean, it was glorious. And, you know, but the devil did his best to destroy that. I, you know, I really believe, you know, that tornado, everything, I believe it was prayer that split that tornado. And it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And, I, oh, we were just crushed. We were heartbroken. And then, then, you know, God did it in the end. And when they came, it, I mean, God just moved in in a mighty way. And so that, you know, that, that's, that's revivals, you know, taking place today. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate what we've been reading and watching. And, you know, God's on the move. God's working. Amen. All right, join me here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Look with me in verse number 10. You know the devil, he hates. Well, he hates God, and he hates anything that advances the kingdom of God. And he hates the children of God. And we read here in Ephesians 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God is that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Don't, don't, don't miss that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked." And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's pause for a word of prayer. Our Father, a great God in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. And Lord, I thank you for that, that first session. And Lord, it's just marvelous to see you working. And Lord... We know what you've done in the past, you can do today, and you are doing. And Lord, and you're doing it on, a, on, on an individual level, on a corporate level, and Lord, we're praying for that, 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 that massive revival. Lord, we're asking you to do it again. We're asking you to send a generational, generational revival. And oh Lord, how we want that. And Lord, so I pray that, that, we realize that, that as you're working, so is our enemy. And Lord, help us to be wise, Lord, and, and, and realize what Satan's doing. And Lord, may we not fall prey to the wiles of the devil. And Lord, help us to be able to uh, identify as fiery darts. And Lord, give us wisdom today. I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, in this text here, and, 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 and it brings out, and the great apostle brings out very clearly that we're in a spiritual battle. And any time, I think you said it 
um, the opening night, you're talking about the revivals, and, and it's, it's amazing how Satan will counter that. You know, when a great, uh, you know, generational revival will break out or a time, you know, you know international, whatever, a, a larger scale revival, how Satan quickly comes along behind that and he causes something to just kind of quench it. Uh, a lot of times wars, you know, you, I think you'd mentioned, Brother John, about wars that were strategically placed by Satan to, to take the fire out of the revival, to end the revival. And, and the focus of revival was quickly subdued by a new focus and war would arise. And, and, and don't think those things are coincidental. You know, Satan, uh, he, he hates God and he hates the work of God. And he hates it not only on a large scale, but he hates it on an individual scale. And when we see God working in an individual's heart, he's going to do his dead level best to put that fire out. You know, um, look over, I want to I kind of tie two passages of Scripture together. So I want you to notice that, how we are wrestling. We are in a spiritual battle. We're told to take the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And pay attention to that word fiery darts there. But join me back in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 13 also. There's another passage. Now, it's, it's dealing with uh, a little bit different application, but still the handiwork of Satan. In Matthew 13 and verse number 24, Jesus tells this as a parable. <coughs> and the Bible says in verse number 24 of Matthew 13, it says, And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto him, or unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn." You know, and now the application of this is talking about at the end, the wheat being the children of God, the tares being the children of the wicked one, and, and, and the enemy being Satan himself, and, and the one that sowed the good seed, the Lord, and, and the application is that. But what I want you to see out of that is, is, is that Satan is always looking to counter what God does. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, but, you know, Satan in, in, our, in our story here, we look in verse number 24, it says, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. You know, and, and so Satan waits until the Lord sowed the good seed. And, and, then, and then, you know, then his, he sows his tares while they're not watching. And, and it's interesting that, you know, John, you know, studying out revival and revival history, how many times that while they're in a full-fledged revival, while the truth is being sown, while, while you know, everything we need to, to bring about revival and fan the flames of revival, how Satan's often working simultaneously during that time sowing seeds of error. 
and sowing tares, if you will. And I know I'm, I'm kind of you know misapplying the tares there, but really he's so he, he's shooting his fiery darts. He's sowing his tares, and you know, and so when 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 God's moving, Satan's also moving. And, and, you know, he's working. And, you know, the thing about the tares, it's kind of interesting. And the reason the burden for this, I've seen so many times, and as a pastor, and I'm sure the O'Gormans could verify that, and Brother John, when God starts moving in somebody's life, how Satan immediately starts to work and counter that. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've watched people get on fire for God and then Satan would do something, do something to just take them off track and, and to get them off base or do something to, to, to quench that fire. He's, he's always working. And folks, we got to be very careful. You know, when God's doing a work in our hearts, you know, we got to be careful because Satan's also going to try to do something. He's never going to rest. Did you notice why they were sleeping? You know, while we're resting, guess, guess what? Satan never takes a day off. You know, he's 24-7, 365. He never takes a day off. And, and while we're, you know, in, in this parable here, while they're sleeping, here comes the enemy and he sows his tares. You know, and the thing about it, that he sows his tares while they're not watching, and then he just goes his way. You know, sometimes, you know, that fiery dart. I, I think about, I've, I've talked with people that have been hit with a fiery dart. And, and they didn't even know they got hit. You know, they, you know, it's like that tear that gets sewn in there and, and, you know, it doesn't show up right away. It doesn't just, you know, bloom right away. Now, I'm, I'm amazed at how fast weeds grow and how, how, you know, stout the stalk on a weed can be. You know, I remember one day looking out our window and it seemed like yesterday they, they, there was nothing. And then the next day was a five foot tall weed. And, and the stock on that thing was about that big around. And, and it's amazing how fast air can take off and how strong it can get. Well, Satan sows his tear, then he just goes his way. The damage is already done. And, and all he has to do is wait for the crop. You know, and... Maybe sometimes it's something that you heard. You know, I, I think gossip, I think gossip is probably one of the biggest avenues of Satan's destruction. It really is. You know, you know it, maybe it's something you heard, maybe it's something you saw, maybe it's someone you met, but whatever it is, Satan sows his tear. Did you ever think about the story of Adam and Eve? You know, we... Satan comes along, and what was Satan doing? It was a fiery dart he hit Eve with. You know, he, he sowed a tear in her heart, so to speak. And, and it was a fiery dart. And, you know, we always imagine that, that Satan did, said what he said and did what he did, and then immediately Eve reaches out. But we're not told how much time elapsed. You know, it could have been moments. It could have been minutes. It could have been hours. It could have been days. It could have been weeks. It could have been years. I'm amazed at how Satan will plant a seed, and sometimes that thing will, will germinate over time. And, and then right at the precise moment when he's ready to spring the trap, he brings that thing up, and he uses that. And I've counseled with people, and I've been amazed that Satan sowed a tear. It might have been a whisper. It might have been something. It might have been. That's why, listen, gossip, don't give ear to gossip, because Satan works more in that than anything else. And it might have been something said, but boy, let the, let a similar situation arise. Let a, let something that now you're involved in pop up and here comes that. All of a sudden the crop comes up and there it is. 
And, you know, I thought about Eve. We don't know how long, but, you know, I don't know how long it was. And it could have been days. It could have been weeks. It could have been months. It could have been years. And, you know, I can imagine at first that, that you know, you know, almost abhorringly, you know, just shuddering at even the thought of even doing that. Eve just recoiled from that. You know, then the thought starts to warm to her. She becomes increasingly less and less abhorrent until the day that it actually becomes plausible. She entertains it in her mind until it becomes doable, and eventually it's a must-do, and she does. You know, Satan sows his seed, then he just walks away, and like a cancer sometimes, it enters into our soul. You know, we got to watch that. And when something, when something doesn't sound right, when something, you know, you know it, it's, it's unscriptural, um, and... You know, as a pastor, I'm sure Pastor O'Gorman could say the same thing. There's so many avenues that Satan can hit God's children with fiery darts. You know, I mean, now with the social media and now with, with phones and, you know, every avenue. I mean, before it was don't turn on the TV. Wasn't it great, the grand old days? Don't have a TV set. Problem solved. Then, you know, radio, you know, there wasn't really any bad thing on radio. It was usually reserved for TV. But now it can come at you from a barrage. And I can't even begin, you know, as a pastor, we can't say, now, don't have one of those, don't have one of those. I'd have to put you in a bubble and put you in a room. And then I'd make sure the bubbles didn't touch because you get messed up from another bubble. You know? And, and you can't even, so you, you got to use discernment and realize when you've been hit by a fiery dart because, you know, Satan likes to put them in there. And it's like a cancer that enters into our soul, you know, wreaking its havoc. And at first it seems imperceptible but to others but slowly working on the inside until it eventually cannot be hid any longer. And others are able to see eventually what's been silently, busily working for such a long time. You know, that's kind of like the roots of bitterness, isn't it? Now, I wanted you to notice, first of all, that when God's doing a work, so is Satan. And he's going to try and counter, he's going to try and foil, he's going to try and destroy everything that God does. You know, the mountaintop, I love mountaintop experiences, but I also know this, I've got to have my shield up because the fiery darts are coming. So when God's sowing, so is Satan, and then his crop always manifests when we become fruitful or start to bear fruit ourselves. I've marveled over the years at Satan's ability to destroy a crop mid-harvest. You know, his timing is uncanny, but it's also so very subtle. You know, few recognize his handiwork, and even fewer take steps to undo it. You know, so we, we, we begin to become fruitful, and then we go back into barrenness without the slightest hint of what happened. And, and, and nobody, you know, nobody asks the question, nobody thinks, or nobody stops to think, you know, what happened? I was doing so well. You know, have you ever noticed in your own life, you know, here you, you, you get on fire for God, you know, for that expression, and, and God's moving in your heart, and boy, you can, all of a sudden something pops up, and we don't even stop to think. You know, what, what cooled the flames? What, what, stole the fi- what stole the fire? You know, and, and, you know, in the parable of the, you know, of the sower, the, the Lord demonstrates how Satan's tears can choke out fruitfulness in our lives. You know, Mark's, Mark's gospel adds to that list the lust of other things entering in. 
You know, it's uncanny how at, at a precise time they just happen to come along or come up. You know, we've just locked onto this thing. We've just got our life right. Our ship had just got straightened out. We just got on track and all, you know, everything like that. And, and then you fill in the blank. You know, here it is. It's a care. You know, I, I've seen people get, you know, they finally get everything going and then all of a sudden some obligation pops up. And it's a care. It's a care of this world. And, you know, the problem is a lot of times it, it seems, it seems right. You know, it, it seems like, you know, it doesn't, it's not intrinsically evil. It's not, you know, if somebody's right in the middle of experience personal revival and then all of a sudden they start drinking, you can pretty much catch that. But it's amazing to me when somebody gets their family on track and then I've seen this time and time again through discipleship, winning folks to Christ and running a discipleship class. Boy, they, they finally lock onto this thing. They finally zero in. They're going forward and every time without fail, Satan would do something to get them off track, and 99.9% of the time, it works. I'm telling you, it's horrible. It's a care. It's an obligation. It's an opportunity, a once-in-a-lifetime. I remember this one couple. It, it was, oh my word. The husband was a... He had a terrible alcohol problem. His wife was at her wit's end. They had a bunch of beautiful little children, and they were looking at divorce, and everything was terrible. <coughs> and through our bus ministry, we, we located the kids. I was able to win mom and dad to the Lord. I was able to get mom and dad into my discipleship class in my office. I, I had the privilege in the past of doing a discipleship on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock during Sunday school of discipleship in my classes. Sometimes I have a couple, sometimes I have 12, whatever. But I, at this time, I had one-on-one -on -one discipleship, and they were just flourishing. I mean, they were growing just, I mean, leaps and bounds, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. The, the love relationship between them just, just thickened. Uh, the alcohol was gone. You know, the Bible came into the home, and mom and dad, here they are Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, it, it was just glorious what God was doing. Then he comes into my office one Sunday morning. He says, preacher, he says, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. I just got the opportunity of a lifetime. I said, you did? You know, my heart's going, he's going, I'm going to. And I said, what? He said, my brother, I think it was, I want to say, it wasn't Kansas, but maybe Minnesota, some way out that way. And he said, boy, I got this job. He lined up this job for me. He's got a big house. We can live with him till we get on our feet. Because, you know, alcohol destroyed them. They, you know, they were living in a, in a, you know, $500 trailer. And I mean, they were really at the bottom. And here's this thing. He's back on the map. Got this great job lined up. You know, his brother's going to put him up, help him out. They, they can, everything's going to fall into place. And this is an answer to our prayers. And I said, I said, well, what, is your brother Christian? He said, well, no, no, no. I said, well, is there, where's the church? Is there a church there? Well, I don't, I don't know if there's a church there. I, I said, brother, I'm scared. And I said, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, don't you think you ought to check it out? You know, maybe, you know, see if there's a church first because God's working in your home. He's working in your lives and God's blessing you guys and this thing's coming together and, and everything's just, just hitting here. And I said, I know God's not going to send you out of church so that all just dies. And he says, oh no, no, you understand preacher, this is the answer to our prayers. 
And I said, I don't feel comfortable. I said, will you do this? Will you go out there, do a survey, find you a church and come back? And, and I begged them. I begged them. I begged them. I begged them. Well, they went and they all went. And oh, how we were brokenhearted. We, we, on, on Sunday night, we just had prayer for them and sent them and, and just prayed that God would watch over and protect them. He still had no idea if there was a church in the area. I mean, they were going out in some remote region that he told me he's out in the boonies, you know. And uh, didn't know anything where anything might be. And, you know, lo and behold, about six months later, I'm in the church working. And somebody, it was during the week, so the doors are, the front doors locked at our tournament. I was in there doing something in the auditorium. I hear a knock on the window of the front door. I go over, and it's that brother. And, he, and he's all disheveled looking, his, his rough face. And, and because I grew up in it, I, I know what somebody that's been haggard by alcohol looks like. And I opened the door, and I let him in. I said, brother, how you doing? And he just started bawling. And I said, where's your wife? She left me. Where's the kids? Oh, you know, grandma, grandpa. And, and he just told me the saddest story I ever heard. And you know, what am I going to say? I told you so? You know, you, especially you men hear me, and, and, and I know you're on a wonderful journey, and God's working in your life, but Satan's going to try and get you off track. And it can be an obligation, it can be an opportunity, it can be a strong desire, it can be a woman. Amen? And Satan's going to use a lot of things to try and get you off track. So, once you become fruitful, you know, these things pop up. They weren't there before, but now here they come. They won't be denied. They won't be put off. They won't be prioritized. Uncanny, isn't it? You know, and, and sometimes we need to just pause and say, you know, God, is this of you? Amen. You know, one thing, God, God has patience. And He can wait for you to make sure it's Him. When there's that sense of urgency, when no, 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 i got to do it right now, when there's that impulsive thing, mark it down that that's not God. You know, when, when you have to do it, no, you got to make the decision now. You know, that's a trick of a con artist salesman. Hey, the deal's gone today. you got to sign today. That high-pressure stuff, God doesn't do that. Amen? Am I right, Brother John? And, and, and when, when, when that's coming upon you, exercise a little discernment and realize that, that Satan's trying to attack you. And he's trying to get you off track. You know, and, and if Satan can't get you from within, he'll get you from without. You know, and, and boy, the fiery darts will come from the enemy. You know, that, when I first was a young Christian, I'm telling you, my family just mounted up. Now, it was a glorious thing. I, I got to watch my mother get saved. I, I, led, I led my oldest brother to the Lord. My, my other brothers got saved. I had an opportunity to ba- uh, baptize all my family members and nieces and nephews. And, and I watched God do a glorious work. But you know what? I was a young Christian. It wasn't like that. I remember going around witnessing to different family members, and my oldest brother, John, he got all the food in the family. He's just a monster. He's like 6'5", 294 pounds of solid muscle. I'm the little version of John. And, um, you know, and, but my, I remember my one brother, Don, told me, he's going to throw me on my head if I come around here talking about Jesus anymore. 
That'd do wonders for you, won't it? And, uh, you know, and, and sometimes they come from without. Look over here. I just want to, I'll close out with this here. Look over here in Psalm 69. You know, David, I was, I was amazed in my reading how David would just be barraged with, with a attack from without. And in the 69th Psalm and verse number 1, David said this, he said, Save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul, unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. You know, David's talking about, you know, paying for things that he didn't even do. But you know, when, when you think about that, you know, David's talking about that barrage from without. You know, the enemy never sleeps, and, and I'm pretty certain there's no shortage of enemies either. And, and you know, the enemy doesn't play by the rules, and, and, and the enemy doesn't play fair. But I'm just, and, and I want to close out with this, I'm just glad that God and me and God and you, you know, God and you are a majority. And, and, and it's all we'll ever need. You know, we don't need to match force with force. We simply need to trust in the Lord and He'll see us through. But two things are true, and, and, and you can see this in David's psalm, and I know it by experience, that the devil never stops. And, and when, you're, when you're riding on a mountaintop, when you're... When you're experiencing personal revival, when God's doing a work in your life, He's going to come in like a flood. He's going to shoot a fiery dart. He's going to sow a tear. You know, that's why it's so important. Um, I remember talking with a man years ago, and, and, and I could tell something was wrong. And, and I could tell he got hit with a fiery dart. I could just see the difference in his countenance. You know, preachers can see, your, see what's going on on your, your face. You know, it's an open book. It really is. If you sat up here and saw what's out there, you, you could peg it pretty good, you know? Except there is one lady in our church that has this angry scowl on her face. And Jesus, so John, John, first time he came to preach me, preach for me, he said, he said, what's up with her? <laughs> but she's the sweetest woman on earth. She just, when she's really focused on something, she's like, you know, like that. But I, I could tell, I could tell, Something was wrong on his countenance. He just, you know, he lost his joy. And when I preached, he was looking at me kind of funny. And then one day he walks into my office and he says, Preacher, that was our last service. We're gone. Now, that was a miracle because usually I don't get that. They're just gone. But he said, Preacher, that was our, but I guess being a deacon, he thought he at least ought to tell me that, right? He said, Preacher, that was our last service. We're, we're done. And then we started to talk. And, and it was just kind of the routine, God's moving us on, you know, the spiritual talk, you know, we do. And I said, brother, I don't believe that. I said, I noticed about 18 months ago your countenance changing. I noticed, I could see it on your face. And I said, brother, I think you got hit by a fiery dart way back then. And then he started to tell it out. And I said, you know what? I said, you let it fester in your heart for all that time, that tear and it, it, until it grew. 
I said, you let it fester in your heart all that time. It festered in your wife's heart. And now the emotion is so, so entrenched that even the truth, if I pull out the root, the feeling's still there. And you can't get past the feeling because you've let it fester for so long. I said, brother, you made a primary, you know, a, a primary mistake. You did not come to me when you got hit with that dart. If you would have came to me way back then, because it, it was just, it was a fiery dart. It was a, it was a blatant lie, a fabrication. I said, if you would have came to me way back then, we could have pulled that tear out. Your soul could have been refreshed and you could have went on and enjoyed the Lord. I said, but now you lost 18 months of your life. 18 months you've scowled at me. 18 months you've sat there until you finally couldn't take it no more and your wife is irretrievable. You got hit with a fiery dart. Satan planted a tear. And listen, it comes in a whisper. It comes in a hush. It can come in an opportunity. You fill in the blank. But Satan's going to try. That's why it's important, and I'll talk more about it later, it's important you've got a good relationship with that man right there. He can help you. Let's pray. Our Father, our great God in heaven, we do love Thee. And Lord, we thank You for Your work of grace. And Lord, I thank You for seasons of refreshings and times of revival. And Lord, I thank You for what You do in our, in our hearts and in our spirits. And Lord, what You can do individually, corporately, and even nationally. And Lord, we're also not unwise to the wiles of the devil and what he attempts to do. And Lord... Help us to be wise. Lord, help us to recognize the darts, the fiery darts of the evil one. Help us to recognize a tear that's been planted in our heart. Lord, help us to recognize the, the seeds of doubt. Lord, help us to recognize when Satan is trying to do something even so subtle that, that can take months and even years to bring fruit, fruit, that wicked fruit. And Lord, help us to perceive that and to, and to do business with it. And to take care of it while it's, while it's small. So that what you're doing in our hearts will not be diminished or destroyed. And Lord, that, that your glory can go forward in its full power and strength. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.